This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to helping you become a savvier marketing leader, no matter your level. In each episode, we will dive into a relevant topic or challenge that marketing leaders are currently facing. We will also give you practical tools and applications that will help you put what you learn into practice today. And if you missed anything, don't worry. We put worksheets on our website that summarize the key points. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about how to effectively lead in a hybrid work environment. This has become a big source of anxiety amongst many leaders as they try to navigate the complexity of having folks working from home and then coming into the office. So communication, culture, and even expectations are needing to be redefined in order to accommodate. Oh, man. And I am going to have a lot to say on this one because it is a consistent conversation with many of our clients, I mean, across the board at this point. Companies worry about demanding that people come back, but then on the other side, communication and culture are suffering without people coming together in person. And my personal worry on all of this is about future generations being without any person-to-person contact for such a long time that they won't be able to develop those skills effectively. But in any case, we'll get into all of that as we go along. Yeah, and I'm yet to find a topic that you're not going to have a lot to say on. We're trying to shorten our episodes, people, so you'll hear me less. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant, but I just thought it was funny. All right. All right. Well, so before we like jump into this, I think it's important to call out that there isn't like, one right way of doing this. So as usual, we will be promoting testing and learning, yep. but there are some approaches that are working better than others. So we're going to really focus on those. Yep. Absolutely. Right? So let's jump into how to effectively lead in a hybrid work environment. First thing is to set clear expectations on process, deliverables, and consequences. And here's the clincher. Then you need to let go. Yes. Okay? Let go. Did you hear that? Let Let go. go. All right. So this is a key part of what we call vigilant leadership. And if you haven't listened to any of our episodes on vigilant leadership, you should do so. They're some of our most popular episodes. Because that's really going to help you reframe your style, your mindset, and really put you in the right processes and team structure in order to be successful in a hybrid work environment. So go listen to those episodes. They will really, really help. But let's drill down in setting the clear expectations on process deliverables and consequences. This really includes having to get over your control freak mentalities. (laughs) And I know everybody just cringed when I said that because it's definitely true and nobody's be like, yeah, I kind of, yeah. Okay. Yes. That's me. Right. You got to own it. You got to own it. And that's really what the letting go part becomes really important because it really comes from focusing too much on the doing and not enough on the deliverables, right? Yep. Right. All right. So specifically, let's get into some things that are going to really help here. So first, you need to set clear deadlines and be clear on the implications, the ramifications, and the consequences for missing these. All right. So this is very, very important. A lot of people will let these things slide. Yep. So they will set up the deliverable, but then, you know, they'll give some sort of maybe arbitrary like time that is due. And so the person on the other side is like, well, do they really need it then or not? Or the day will come and it kind of go, right? And the deliverable is still not there. The leader will say like, you know, it's it's okay. Tomorrow's fine, right? So automatically you've set up these, the situation in the head of of their your people where they're like, eh, Deadlines don't really matter, right? Or you set out, my favorite is you give a date and then you're like, I mean, if you can get it to me by then. Or right, some right, right. kind of qualifier that they're like, do I, wait, is that a hard date? It's exactly, that's exactly right. And so what becomes really important here is to make sure that they're very clear about how the deliverables impact something with regards to the business, um, whether how it impacts other people's work, um, how it impacts the company's bottom line, whatever that is, it establishes the need for that work to be done in that moment, because really that motivates people because nobody wants to be that person who just like <laughs> lets the team down or doesn't get their, their work done in time. So it really does help with the motivation, but it also helps. So everybody knows how all the pieces are coming together. The second thing is, and I alluded to this already, is that you need to be less concerned about how people get their work done, right? So if someone wants to work odd hours, be less concerned with that and more concerned that they deliver quality work on time. Again, it goes back to having to actually set that expectation. But here's where working from home has taught us this really great thing about fluidity, right? So you work, you live, 
and you can work some more and you just kind of really start cultivating a lifestyle that helps you manage your energy levels. It helps you manage what's going on at home and you don't have to be so confined to the nine to five work life. This is a really phenomenal thing. This is what, what your people are really appreciating. So it, that's why you need to set the deliverable timing and the quality expectations. But hey, if they want to work like, you know, in the morning and then they want to take a little break and they want to work in the evening to kind of finish it up, yep. as long as they're delivering what they need to deliver on time, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter to you, right? Yep. Don't let it matter. And then also be clear on channels of communication and when to communicate. So if you expect everybody to be on instant messenger or teams or whatever and be responsive if you ping them, make sure you tell them that, like make sure that that is an element of communication that they're very clear about. If you want regular status updates, make sure they know that. When are these? Are they weekly? Now, again, don't resort back to your micromanagement tendencies <laughs> and be like, I need a, an hour daily update just so oh. I know what's going on, right? Or do you want to know when a problem is actually happening or do you want to give them time to actually process through that problem and then let you know what the solution is? So none of these are actually different than when everybody was in the office, but they come very, a lot more important and clarifying because when people aren't together, the cause and effect thing is a little bit lost. Like it's it's distant. So when we used to see people kind of gathering at somebody's desk, we're like, hey, what's kind of going on there? So we used to kind of go over and see what was going on. Or there were these impromptu meetings where people would be like, hey, um, something just came up. Let's just have this like quick combo or the water cooler talk, if you will. Those aren't happening as frequently, especially with people being in different places. So you're going to have to look, work a little bit harder to connect the dots. Yeah, I think all of that is really fair. And to the comment I made before about the hedging, um, the thing that I always think about with this one is there's a level of clarity needed, but there's also a level of granularity. Uh-huh. And, and yes, a proper level of control too, but, and I don't mean control like be in their business. I mean <laughs> that you need to set the parameters and then you control the parameters is more what I'm talking about. But this is where I think you get into a lot of trouble because if there is gray, what I have seen in a lot of the conversations I have with our clients is if there is room to finagle, people will do it. Mm, and I don't mm-hmm. mean that as a – to say that it's necessarily vengeful or they're trying to like pull a fast one. That is Just not what I nature, mean. Right? Yeah, whatsoever. But I think that there is a lot of perspective out there to varying degrees and varying levels of intensity to where people are like, but I did the job at home successfully for that point in time. Right. And I think the argument here is – we did what we had to do during a period of time that was necessary for us to be doing that. Now we need to find the right balance. But I think you just have to be really, really crystal clear about the parameters that you are setting and then hold to them. So I've given the example, and this was not COVID related, but before on the show about when I became the head of strategy at the last agency, but I was also account managing a lot of the business, I wasn't in the office a lot because I was either out selling or I was out with our clients, right? And so I instituted a very black and white level of communication strategy for my team. And so what they knew, and they could repeat it back, and it was just, it was simple, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, if you call me, I'm going to assume something's on fire. And I will get out of wherever I am as fast as I can to get to you. If you text me, that's the next level of urgency. As soon as I can, I will get to it. If you email me with a flag, when I sit down, whenever I get back to my computer, even if it's in the evening, it will be at the top. If you email me, assume that I will read it by the end of the night. I may not reply because if it doesn't require one, Mm -hmm. but I will have seen it. And they could all repeat that back to me and they all fell in line with that. And I was never surprised and they never felt like they were left without my support. But that's what I mean by granularity. And did they know what was urgent, what was not urgent, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, so my big thing as a boss was always, I do not want to be surprised. So if that client's going to get to me before you, like that was the chain of command for things, right? And then also, yes, that, that's a very fair question. We did have other levels of support besides just me, and we worked over time to build that. So like the three supervisors below me were empowered to a certain level to make decision, but they were also a team together. 
So then they were able to lean on each other. And so they could help assess for each other, is this serious enough that we need to involve April in it? Right. Um, So yes, so we did have that sort of like what constitutes each of these. Uh, But we'd also uh, kind of, we'd worked together long enough too that they knew what my hot buttons were, what the client team's hot buttons were, and when that phone call actually needed to happen. So Mm -hmm. anyway, and then the other thing I would say is, And we're seeing this too with our clients. There are some roles where, again, to my point about we made it work when we were in COVID, it does not make sense for that person to work from home. And I've seen it in everything from we have systems that cost tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. We found a way to make it work and put something in that person's home while COVID was happening. But really, it makes more sense for them to be physically in the office to do it. That's one example. There's also things like, all right, if you're on the admin team and there are clients coming into the office, it makes more sense for you to be there overseeing the setup for that client than trying to do everything virtually, right? And those are like really, really tangible examples. But you see what I'm setting up there. And so I think those conversations need to be have and explained. And those people need to own the fact that they put themselves in positions like it's at will, right? So they put themselves in the position to work that role in the company. If it makes more sense for them to be there or proportionally be there more than other people and or there are people that are fully remote and that's fine, that has to be owned as well. And I think that people are shying away from the conversation and the tough conversations in order to take the path of least resistance or not have confrontation. But all of this to say You got to set up what the rules are, communicate it, make it clear, and make those people on the other side that work for you have ownership in the reasons why and what their role entails. Yeah, those are really, really good points. All right, our second point of how to effectively lead in a hybrid work environment is to hold key team communications and meetings for days everyone is in the office. April, what do you think about this? Yes. So I think this is a really good strategy and we are seeing companies having some success with this. So if it's company news or announcements or strategy sessions or reviews, those are all things that are better to happen in person with everybody present, right? That does help build the culture that we talked about at the beginning that has suffered on the heels of COVID. And the reason for this is because people can participate without the technical barriers, But there's also those things that I said I'm so worried about the next generation when it comes to like how to read body language and how to see reactions happen and watch dynamics of even who gravitates to who when you're in the office. and Who sits next to who and who's talking to who and whispering to who during the meeting. Yes. Yep. Because this is where things get really tricky to navigate. If you're only on the computer all the time, you might not know that the CEO is outside of work friends with your boss, right? Right. Like that might not be transparent when you don't see those interactions happening. And understanding those personal cues, but also letting other people get exposure to you, that is a way that you show up on both sides and that's the appearance of your personal brand. Those are the things that, like I said, you can't see or digest or interpret when you're just on the screen. This is also really important if you're giving either heavy news, it's usually sad or negative in some capacity, or recognition, Mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. positive on the other side. It's important to be able to gauge reactions in person so that you can kind of get the temperature check on what's happening when that's being delivered, right? People can turn their cameras off on Zoom. Mm -hmm. You don't know if they're distracted. You don't even know if they even heard what you said, when you were giving that presentation, right? They could be on mute. They could have you on mute because they're yelling at their kid, you know? So there's all kinds of those dynamics. It's also really, really impactful. And this is something that I think was, quite frankly, really hard during COVID to give those positive recognition moments. Right. And to have people called out. It's just, I think that a lot of that fell off and that was where some of the culture stuff suffered and where people didn't feel like people quite so much because they were just behind the screen. So the caveat here is making sure that everyone actually is there (laughs) and that the important people are there too. So if you're giving recognition, make sure that person or that team or whatever is in person or they know it's going to happen or whatever. And then just remember that the thing that you really need to be communicating to everybody is we are all human beings and human beings need interaction with other human beings. I think that there is, and, and we're seeing this too, a lot of 
angst around coming back that I think is actually only because people are so severely out of practice. And even people that traditionally liked coming to the office mm-hmm. are suffering from this as well. I mean, I'll never forget having dinner with a couple of friends, one one who's introverted, one who's an extreme extrovert. And the extreme extrovert looked at us across the table and was like, I'm sorry, I'm having a really hard time being here. And it was because she hadn't been in front of people for so long. So this is another place where I think you need to, one, address that everyone is feeling this way to some degree. But also coming back into the office does not have to be the big bad wolf. I think some of it is is saying it out loud and continuing to say it out loud. And then also appreciate wherever your teams are. So if it makes more sense that it's a two-hour meeting the first time and you encourage people to stick around or come before or whatever, then do that. And then go to four, right? Or say, we want people in the office, but we realize it doesn't need to be nine to five for a lot of you people. So come for a half day or come 11 to 2, or whatever that looks like. Make sure that you address it, but then also be flexible about what that looks like. Don't just say, okay, everyone is coming back in, hammers down, 9 to 5. Yeah, I think those are all really, really good points. And my builds on that would be, one is to try to infuse some fun with yes, the- Yes, good point. Yeah, when, when people are in the office. Now, it doesn't need to be forced fun, and you don't need to go back and make up for a lost time and make these meetings like four hours long so that you can- right share that time together. I mean, there might be a cost for those maybe quarterly or, Mm -hmm. you know, twice a year or something to that effect, but make sure you have some fun thrown in there. And the other thing I'll say, and we've seen this as a little bit of a bad habit, and we're going to get into this a little bit more later, is that everybody feels like there's a layer layer of protection when you have Zoom, right? And so, especially for people who are Uh, more conflict averse or more introverted, they will tend to use Zoom as that barrier to be able to deliver the news. So then they could just hit done and be like, oh, well, thank God that's over, right? So fair. And then there's no access to you or no easy access to follow-up questions, especially like, you remember um, all these meetings where you would have these meetings and you'd have these discussions and then you would like seek out somebody after the meeting to get something more clarified or to have additional conversations say, hey, can I just chat with you for a minute on that? When you hit that done button on the Zoom, it's like, like, you know, it's like the finale. Like, it's like, it's done. Like, you know, and there's no access point then for like, well, should I ping the person then? And, you know, kind of see if we can have another conversation. So avoid that, especially if you are tend to be introverted or a little bit risk averse, because it doesn't help your team be able to process what you are saying. Okay, so make sure you're very cognizant of that. Yeah, I think that that's exactly right. All right. So then the third point for how to effectively lead in a hybrid work environment is to maintain consistent behavior, whether in the office or at home. And April actually alluded to this already. But as I'm so good at preempting. Sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's because I talk so much, right? We'll go back to our original opening about you having a lot to say about lots of things, but <laughs> which is why I love you. No shortage of talk. All right. Anyway, <laughs> would you guess I'm extroverted or introverted? <laughs> exactly. But as we mentioned, I mean, it was really, really difficult to get over a lot of that control freak micromanagement behavior when people started working from home. And when you do mention April, it's like if somebody didn't like immediately respond, you're like, what are they doing? Are they messing around? Like, what are they talking about? And like, and are they doing their work? And if they're not here, how do I know they're actually doing their work? Right. And what we've learned, and we shared this already, is the biggest way to really release that paranoia and fear is to have the clear expectations on process deliverables and consequences. And then like, oh, when people start to deliver like you expect them to, you can start to build that trust. But now that people are spending their time, we suggest actually taking this approach of the way that people worked from home into the office and not to inadvertently fall back to some of our micromanagement ways just because people are accessible. So we tend to take a lot of advantage of this when people are just right there, especially in a cubicle style environment or the open office environment, as I use my little air quotes. <laughs> but here's some areas of uh, inconsistencies that we've seen from and we've talked to our clients about that are really driving their people crazy. Okay, so one is drive-bys. One big reason why people like working from home is because there are less distractions. Right? They feel more productive. They get more done. So if at home you ping people, like is, is that still a thing? Is it ping, IM, Teams, whatever, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, instant messaging. I don't know. We still call it Slack. All the, Slack all the, it, it's whatever. All the same. Yes. Yeah. 
So if you normally do that to see if somebody's available, follow that practice in the office too. Don't go in and interrupt their flow just because they happen to be like four cubes over, right? Don't be a golden retriever puppy. That's what I always say. Don't get so excited <laughs> that people are there that you just can't help yourself but go bother them. It sounds like something somebody told you, April. It, maybe it has happened before. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is the point of the podcast. I'm sharing my advice. I really appreciate you being Through so my experience. April. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I was told that. Yes, I, I figure so much. <laughs> and the, uh, another one that's been driving people crazy uh, is making it hard for people to participate if they aren't in the room. So I remember when it was just phone conferences, we didn't worry as much about that because you were just kind of calling in mostly to listen. If you did, It was mostly the meetings that you know you couldn't be at, but you didn't really feel like you had to take an active role in most of the time, unless you were the leader that was hosting the call. But... It's very different when people are on Zoom and in the room and you have more video connection. So you have to really work hard in order to make sure the logistics are able to accommodate for that, right? So things like using whiteboards and flip charts don't work as well if people are on Zoom. They can't see your whiteboard and flip chart. You might have to actually invest in one of the ones, and we just used this in one of our clients, which was very nifty, is like the whiteboard. Did you just say nifty? It was nifty. Oh, I thought it was nifty. Okay. And I mastered that thing in like five minutes, didn't I not? That, that is fair. Yeah. And so there are, I say that to say, even though I'm a mechanical engineer by background, oh, very tech oriented, um, it that's was, why you say words like nifty. Nifty, right. It is, that's a very technical term. <laughs> um, so as I was saying, that yeah, it was, it was easy to use that board and then everybody could see it, whether you were in the room on the camera, it translated so everybody could see what was going on. So really look into some of these things, whether they're digital whiteboards or they're, you're using the actual whiteboard feature on Zoom. Sometimes everybody might want to be on Zoom, even though you only have one microphone on. So some of these are tech things you have to work through, but everybody can be on Zoom then. And then everybody can have access to that. So there's lots of ways of working through it, but be intentional on how you're doing it so that everybody feels included in the conversation because it's very easy to forget the people who are not in the room. Yeah. Right. And then the last one I'm going to say, and I'm going to turn it over to April, is making assumptions. And this happens both ways, right? We talked about, you know, if you ping somebody, don't answer right away. That's one that was always a big thing. But it's also now, as people are starting to get a little lax, we're going to get to this in a minute, but they're getting a little lax sometimes with their appearance on Zoom. So sometimes, you know, you could show up and look like you just rolled out of bed for a nine o'clock meeting. So if you look like you just rolled out of bed for a nine o'clock meeting, assumption on the other side is, hey, they slept in or they didn't, they weren't up. But maybe that person was actually up at six doing a bunch of work and didn't have time to change, right? So that also translates back into the work environment too. So then all of a sudden, if you say, let's just call him Alex for a second. Alex is sitting there talking to Joe about the, the game the night before. And you're like, that game didn't end until like midnight. So Alex is obviously sleeping in because that's, I saw him on a Tuesday morning after a Monday night football game looking to shovel at a nine o'clock meeting, right? None of that is probably true or it could be true, but mm. you just don't know, mm -hmm. right? But it'll drive you crazy. It'll send you down rabbit holes, creating these stories about people. Don't do it. Again, set up the expectations for the deliverables in the process and then let go. Yes. So all, all of that. I want to just say one thing going back to, and we were joking about the, the technology, but one of the things I will say that I do think that COVID accelerated is a lot of these tools that are out there. Yeah, so I just sure. want to say, if you are nervous about being able to get things like digital whiteboards and learning how to use it, they are really, really intuitive. I remember yeah. several years ago when we were trying to figure this out from a research standpoint about how not to travel, but to bring people on and be doing like one-on-ones and things virtually. It was a nightmare disaster and we just trashed it. Even just a few years ago. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that, yes, that was a long time ago. But so anyway, I just want to give a plug for that and say there are so many really awesome solutions that, and I think this can get you a lot of credit with people that you're trying to make it work from a hybrid perspective. So that's a little bit of an aside. But I think, and you've heard us say this throughout this episode, the truth of the matter is the world of work has changed significantly. Mm -hmm. So you have to find whatever those objective measures are. And there are things, like we've said, quality of the work. Is it getting done on time? 
what are the things that you have communicated that they're respecting or upholding regardless of whether they are in person or not? Because mm-hmm. like Ian said, some things changed and the Alex example is is perfect. I mean, I used to go to work every day with a full face of makeup regardless. That was a, you know, a hard rule for me. It was how I felt comfortable. I don't show up that way all the time on the Zoom camera. And I certainly don't show up that way if it's just me and Anne and the internal teams, right? right? So that's just one thing that I think has really changed. We've gotten a lot more casual. So if there are things that you're seeing and they're driving you crazy, as the boss, you are within your right to set what those expectations are. However, you need to really think about whether those things are important or not and assess what things have changed that maybe are just a little bit of like a bug in your bonnet type things, right? So one of the examples that I was talking to someone about recently, this person was super frustrated because they're in the office every single day. But as we dug deeper, the reason they're in the office every single day is because they can't focus at home because they have a spouse that works from home and they have two young children that while those young children are being taken care of by others, this person actually doesn't have the discipline to manage not going out or letting the kids come in or whatever. And so he goes to the office because that is how he can be productive. Yeah. But you can't just halo that onto the rest of the team and be mad. Now, I did tell him that he has a whole lot of, of validation from the other side, which is there really is no structure, mandate, or anything for when people come to the office. So there's just more of a quote unquote, we would like you to come into the office. And no expectations. And no expectations. I mean, to the point of this episode, right? So he's not wrong on the other side, but that's where I think we really are in a world now where there are way more individual cases and exceptions than there have ever been before. And so you just have to go back to what objectively makes sense for each employee and then build against that versus like Ann said, if you start swirling in this place of like, well, why is this like this? And that's like that. And this person just shows up like this. You're going to end up in a mess in your head and you're never going to be able to be productive in solving it. Yeah, so true. So, so true. All right, the fourth point of how to effectively lead in a hybrid work environment is to make sure people don't get too lax in their working from home environment. So, April. <laughs> I preempted myself again. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It's like anyway. we don't have a script or anything. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Right. All right, so this is going to be beat up on April Day. I got it. All right. Oh, it's just, I mean, it never gets old. I have thick skin. Okay. So, um, as we talked about in the example just previously, the the appearance, right? So, I gave an example of kind of like levels of professional appearance, right? So, I still have zero patience. If it is an environment where we are presenting to a client and anyone on our team shows up on that camera and does not look presentable, we have an issue, which is immediately addressed and the expectation is reset, even though it has already been set. So, That is something that, you know, no matter if we're talking about coming into the office or at home, you have to present yourself well for the expectation of the culture of the environment and the leadership needs to communicate what that is. I think we do need a little bit of a reset, right? Because we did get casual. Yes. So I think everybody skewed way more casual than ever before. It's just that some people have stayed too far on that spectrum. Um, We also should really dress one up for who you are engaging with in the formal environment. So with the example of forthright people, when I know that we are presenting to a big client or a really important client or a very buttoned up client, I am super conscious of what I look like that day. I mean, I just had this the other day where I was meeting with a new um, CEO for the first time and we've been working with their team for a while now. And so I showed up and the first comment from the client was like, Damn, girl, you're looking good today. <laughs> Which I'm not sure what that says about what I typically look like. But, I mean, I did purposely dress very, very polished. And I I mean, he isn't even a polished person. But it just, it's my expectation of myself, right? It's a CEO of a company. Yes. That's what you need to do, yes. right? It's a respect thing. It's a respect thing, absolutely. And then also being mindful of the environment that you are in. We have tons and tons of folks that use those backgrounds now. I always get distracted by them because I love them. So I'm like, oh, look at that one. Maybe I could. And then I'm like starting to redesign my office in my head. Anyway, that's my own personal problem. (laughs) 
But those are a really great way to make sure that things look professional, right? Because if you're in a space, I mean, if you're in your basement and there's toys everywhere from your kids, right, you can easily snap one of those on. It's not a distraction. It's easy. Again, with in terms of resets, right, your children really shouldn't be there if you're presenting to clients, right? Your dogs should not be barking. We have a puppy in the house. Again, if I am on with just internal teams or even some of our partners and Vinny's there and I know they love dogs and it'll be a point of levity, I let her be in there knowing she might bark at the mailman. If I am presenting to a client or closing a deal or whatever, that dog is locked away where I can't possibly mm-hmm. hear her even if she does bark, right? So I think that was something that we gave people a ton of grace because we were in a terrible time that no one had ever experienced before. There was nowhere else for kids and pets to go. And a lot of people were never planning to work from home in the first place, right? But if you are, and in the instances you are, it's the expectation of respect back to the companies that are allowing for this to happen. And as the manager, if you're seeing issues with it or consistent issues with folks, you have to have that reset that I was talking about before and make sure it really I'm considering this a recalibration. So I think if everybody puts it in their mind that way, you can't expect people to snap back one way again. It'll probably never be exactly the same way again. But if you continue to reinforce and recalibrate expectations and kind of do tune-ups, <laughs> mm-hmm. then people should be able to get back to where they need to be. Yeah, I'm going to emphasize two of those points, which I think is – emphasize one and build on one because I think everything you said is extremely important. One is that the COVID grace period is over. Yes. Right? If you are working from home, you are expected to be working from home. Right? Yeah. So it's like pre-COVID mentality again where you're not home because your kids are not in school and are doing homeschool or virtual school, right? You're expected to have care for your kids, whether yes. they're in school or whether or not you have a nanny. Like, this is not like trying to manage so I don't have to pay for childcare anymore or I don't have access to childcare anymore, right? Same thing with your pets. I totally agree with you. I think if it's in a meeting where it's very casual, then that's probably fine. But it gets a lot of, it gives me anxiety when I'm trying to figure out what to do with my dog mm-hmm. if I'm not in, in a, an informal meeting, an informal meeting. So you need to plan for those things or distractions from your family coming home. I put a sign, like a post-it note on my door and be like, I am in a meeting. Do not bother me. Mm-hmm. Right. So that I don't get the just random, hey, I'm home. You know, what's going on kind of thing. So be very mindful of setting it's the space up like it is now an official office. Yep. All right. That is super, super important. Now people are starting to lose patience with people who are not doing that. And, and rightfully so. Yes. And it's not seen as okay anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Regardless of what people thought this time last year. And I think the second thing that I've been seeing a lot, too, is people are justifying the way that they show up based on the way that other people are showing up, too, with regards to what they're wearing, even the future clients. So if my client is sitting in their basement and they just have a T-shirt and shorts on, well, I don't know if they have shorts on, but just assume they have shorts on. <laughs> T-shirt and shorts on. Super casual. It, yeah, super casual. And it's okay for me to show up in T-shirt and shorts. No, it's not. <laughs> it is absolutely in no way okay for you to show up in T-shirt and shorts. Unless this is a client that you've known forever and you're having a very casual meeting. But those, I would say, are very, like, few and far between. I mean, you should be still dressing in a way that you would be dressing in order to go to the client's work, like, their office or their their place of employment. Yep. Right? Do not believe that just because they're dressed like that, it's okay for you to dress like that. Because, again, it goes back to what we were saying. It's a sign of respect. Mm -hmm. It shows that you care about the meeting that you are are presenting yourself in a way that they understand that they are important. It gives them that confidence that you have thought about that and that you are showing up in a professional manner. Plus, I think once you're dressed like that, it makes you actually act more professional. I yes. When you're dressed very casually, I think you start acting very casually too. So those are the two things I wanted to reinforce. Both. Yes. Awesome. Okay. To recap, how to effectively lead in a hybrid work environment. Set clear expectations on process, deliverables, and consequences, and then let go. This is a key part of what we call vigilant leadership. It includes having to get over your control freak mentalities, which focus too much on the doing and not enough on the deliverable. Second, whole key team communications and meetings for days everyone is in the office. Company news, announcements, strategy sessions, reviews, all are better when everyone is present in person so everyone can participate without tech barriers and so you can monitor all those important nonverbal engagements that help you assess culture. 
And one caveat to this that we didn't mention is don't wait on these, some of these things, though, for when they're in the office so your team is the last to know. Good so point. that's the caveat, Good point. right? Maintain consistent behavior whether in the office or at home. It has been difficult to overcome or control fake, also known as micromanagement ways, when people started to work from home. But now that those ways are working, bring them into the office as well. Make sure people don't get too lax in their working from home environment. Maintaining professional appearance is important no matter if in the office or on Zoom. Marketing Smarts is sponsored by scottmaltz.com, S-C-O-T-T-M-A-U-T-Z.com. Scott Maltz is a popular keynote speaker and number one best-selling author whose latest book and talk, Leading from the Middle, helps middle managers dramatically increase their influence up, down, and across their organization. Want your company's middle managers and leaders equipped to foster a high-performing organization? Want them inspired to drive the change and transformation that's a challenging necessity moving forward? Then go to scottmaltz.com to check out Leading from the Middle and all of Scott's keynotes, trainings, courses, and books. On a personal note, Marketing Smarts has worked with Scott as our business coach and found our own successful results, so we highly endorse him. All right, so our next segment is In the Trenches, where we give real-world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad application for anyone to digest and put into action. All right, our first In the Trenches question, should I mandate that certain days be in the office? And as a leader, should I be in the office all the time? All right, so I'm going to give my perspective and I'm going to invite April to give hers. So my personal perspective is that I think you should mandate certain days in the office and it should be the same every week. That way you can plan those important connections that we mentioned and you can help to develop some level of culture with everybody in person. And hopefully then that culture starts to translate outside the walls and but not in a time frame that is so long that people kind of forget I mean, we noticed this with one of our recent clients who their style is to be working from home, like everybody works from home. And then they brought certain folks together for this big brainstorming and everybody was so excited just to be there and see each other. And they're like, I haven't seen you in person in a year. It's just so nice to be with people and have this energy and you could feel the energy in the room. Like I've never sensed an energy like that in a brainstorming session, Mm -hmm. really. I mean- So there is something to that, and you really need to facilitate that. So make sure that you are allowing that space and time. But it's it's, it's much easier if you know which days everybody's going to be in the office and you expect that, and so you can plan around that. You may need to flex because you might need to go to leadership team meetings that have to be in person. But we do believe, at least I believe, and I'll see what April believes, I believe in practicing what you preach. So If you are saying it's okay for your team to have this hybrid work environment, you should practice one as well in order to be able to model the behavior that you want to see. So if you're always in the office, it kind of makes your people feel like even though you're saying one thing, you're kind of acting another. Is it really okay? Is it not okay? And then one person starts going to the office every day and then pretty soon another person does because they're like, oh, well, so-and-so is going, then I must go too. That's what I would say. April, what do you say? Yeah, so... I will say, number one, I like the team approach to being in the office, and I am also on board with choosing a day or two that makes sense and keeping those same days for the most part. So while you have to be flexible, this is where I will say you as a leader can drive yourself crazy trying to be too flexible, and we are seeing this happen. So just make the schedule what it is, and I do think that people will start to enjoy being in the office with their teammates together versus randomly picking, I'm going to do Tuesday, I'm going to do Friday, I'm going to do Wednesday, whatever. When it comes to the perspective of what you exemplify as the leader, I too feel like you should, to the best of your ability, do the hybrid thing. However, I gave the example before of a person who couldn't work from home for a whole variety of reasons. So If that is your reality and your situation, and we actually have someone, like I had said, that that is the case, then you need to almost bend over backward to over-communicate and reinforce to people and then not penalize about the fact that they don't need to be there. So my reinforcement is always, you know, as a reminder I just do better when I'm in the office. I realize that's not true for all people. I want all of you to be here Tuesdays and Wednesdays every week outside of that. I don't care. And then 
behave as such. So if someone does start coming all the time and thinking they're going to get a leg up, you can't treat them any different than the rest of the people. So so fair. So that is sort of my – I think I just would say the simpler the better for you and for everyone and then be mindful if you are going to say one thing and do another and keep reinforcing. Yeah, the FOMO thing is very real. If you make people feel like they're missing out, then they will start modeling behavior – so they don't feel left accordingly, out. right? Yeah. 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 All right. The second in the treacherous question, what do I do if someone is failing to get their work done while working from home? And April basically said this is working from home or a hybrid work schedule is a privilege, not a right. 100,000%. <laughs> right? So this is one of the expectations you need to manage that we've said over and over again. And you need to state clearly that if any time that doesn't look to be working for the team or the company or the business, that it will be revoked, right? So that's the expectation that you're clearly setting. And it doesn't have to be fair that everyone gets the same privilege to the point, like some people are going to have to be working more in the office. It's just the nature of their job. That's the things that they need to do. They need to facilitate whatever the office work environment is. The only thing that needs to be fair is everybody has the opportunity to, if they can, right? Yes. So that means if like Anne is like having trouble making her deliverables and they're not quality deliverables, I might need some more attention. And so therefore I need to come in the office and I need to be in an office environment so that everything can be more managed and more facilitated, right? Now, the also the big thing here is that you need to set the expectation that everybody must abide by the rules and guidelines. Now, don't be arbitrary here. This is really, really important. And you've mentioned this before, April. It's like if you're acting one way one day and then you kind of let it slide and then, you know, somebody else does it and then you're like penalize that person for doing it, but you didn't penalize this person, things start falling apart. And then also make sure that as things are happening, even if it's at work or at home, that you're documenting things as they happen so you can have those really legitimate conversations. And if they choose to leave as a result because they don't like the environment, like you said, April, it's like, well, it's sad to see people go, but you have to facilitate the culture first. Yeah, so I'll be real, real clear on this one. If someone's not doing their work from home and you deliver the message, they better get their butt in the office. They know what's good for them. Yeah, exactly. Because really, and, and this is where I'll bring up respect again, right? They should understand that they need to save face and that they should play it safe for a while because they have caused you, said boss, an inconvenience with their behavior. So you need to nip it in the bud immediately. You need to cite specific examples. You need to reset expectations. You may need to do a performance plan. Like Ann said, this is a privilege, not a right. And this is where I lean into the pre-COVID days. At the agency, there was an opportunity for everyone to work a portion of time from home. However, they had to earn it and Mm -hmm. then maintain it. And for some people, quite frankly, it was never an option. Yeah. And it was fine. And so I think that this is one where, you know, I said in the beginning – I don't necessarily think that in most cases there's malicious intent associated with things, but this one, and you can hear me (laughs) hear it in my voice, this one's a really big pet peeve of mine because of the fact that it is a privilege. And so for the employees you want to keep and the really good ones, it almost is that they like they overcompensate, right? And I'm not saying that you lean into that behavior, Mm -hmm. you take advantage of it or whatever, but it's more that they appreciate it for what it is versus when people are not delivering, I just feel like there's no exception for that and they're taking advantage. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. All right, our third in the trenches question. What if we lose talent as a result of mandating that people are back in the office some of the time? April? Yeah, so first, reevaluate that you're not swinging too far one way or being unrealistic or micromanaging. The pitfalls, sure the dangers, you. yeah, make sure it's not you that we've talked about in the episode. If you're not, then you're really going to have to be honest about whether they're the right people. Because really, do you want people that are not invested in the culture of the organization or that don't want to be part of the team or come in person? I mean, did you listen to what I just said? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is kind of a hard no, right? So in most cases, really, I do believe that the people that you want to stay 
will rise to the occasion and the others will weed themselves out and that will be fine. Even if in the moment you don't feel like it's fine, I think over time you will see things like culture improve or people gel better together or those types of things. I've seen this work quite frankly as a really good criteria for who stays and who goes because the good apples are the ones that are feeling the impact of being isolated. And maybe it is a little scary to have to go back in and see people, but they'll get used to it again, just like they were used to it before and likely learn to enjoy it. It's just the practice of being back in person. So for the ones you want to keep, help them. Give them a little extra TLC, understand or acknowledge their emotions, be empathetic, all of those things. But like I said, the ones that you want will rise to the occasion and the ones that you don't want or need over time will self-select out. I really, truly believe that. Yeah, I believe that too. And the additional point I'll put on that one, and it goes back to the earlier point we just made, is to make sure it's not you and you're not overly indulging your own desires, wants, and tendencies, right? So if you're an extroverted person, you like people around and you just want everybody to come back to the office so you have people to hang out with and go out to lunch with and talk to all day, and your team is not wanting that, you need to really honor the team. And you need to learn how, as a leader – to be a more of a vigilant leader and put your own things aside and your own desires and tendencies aside for the betterment of your actual team. And I know this is really hard for you, especially assuming some introverts who are like, they went the other way, right? They, mm-hmm. wanted everybody wants to, they want everybody to stay at home yep. and then not have to go in the office and have to deal with that. It's the other, it's both sides of the, of the fence folks. And so you need to figure out what's going to be the best for your culture, best for your team, and then you need to find the right solution there. And like we said, it could be a little bit of a test and learn. There's no right answer here. It really depends on the people. It depends what the people's tendencies are. And depends on how you get the work done and how you get really good work done, right? Yep. Yeah. Good builds. Okay. And our third and final segment is a marketing smarts moment. And this is something that we've seen in the environment around us that people are actually using their marketing smarts well or maybe not using their marketing smarts well. And so mine is the New Orleans premiere haunted ghost voodoo vampire mystery tour since I just got back from New Orleans. Say that three times fast. New Orleans <laughs> premiere haunted ghost voodoo vampire mystery tour. <laughs> <laughs> Who did that naming? Wow, yeah. And it distinguishes it from the other one, which was like the New Orleans premiere voodoo haunted ghost mystery vampire tour. <laughs> oh, geez. So I'll, like they all read the same. Branding crisis. Okay. Yeah, but... Putting that aside for a second, because that was actually not my point of this one, it was to talk about the actual tour itself. So now if you actually go to New Orleans, there is a gazillion of these, right? You'll see them during the day. You'll see them at night. We happen to go at night doing an adults-only one. And I actually highly suggest if you're going to do this, you do the adults-only one because some of the stories are quite gruesome and they're quite intense and they don't really have a PG version. So if you want the actual experience, you actually probably need to get like the R version that kind of makes it come to life a little bit more. And this one particularly I thought was really good. And and it was really good because our tour guy was a amazing storyteller. Mm. All right. So his name was Robbie Rob. Now Robbie Rob looked the part as much as talked the part. Um, if you're going on a spooky ghost tour or whatever the rest of the stuff is too, <laughs> you kind of it kind of makes it work when your guy kind of is a little spooky as well, mm-hmm. and the way that he tells the story is is a little spooky. So this was a two hour tour. Um, you get to hear all the stories. There was definitely we took some pictures, some paranormal activity going on because New Orleans, I guess, is one of the most haunted cities in Crazy. the whole world, and it's on a ley line and. You could say whether or not it's real or not real. It didn't really matter. It was still it's really experience. spooky and cool. Yeah. And because like New Orleans was the original Dora district, like the whole place is like open container. You just take your drink and you go along and we actually stopped at the bar to refill and you keep going along. So the experience of it is all really awesome. So you're probably like, all right, thanks. If I'm in New Orleans, I'll do, the, do this tour. What's the bigger point here? And I think the bigger point here that I wanted to really bring forth is two things. One is... Being an amazing storyteller really amplifies the experience. Like We were looking around and we were kind of listening to some of the other guys and they just weren't nearly as good as him. And he was actually selectively cultivating his group. You can tell he's like, hey, I'll take these. And then somebody else came behind me and goes, oh, you guys go over there. And, you know, so he was definitely selectively cultivating his group. He's reading the room. He's reading the room. And hire good talent. 
right? So this was the other thing I think that was really important to this. He got a ton of tips because he was able to tell fantastic stories and bring it all to life in a very cohesive and consistent way, but as well as like really looking the part and adding that extra level of like going above and beyond. I mean, it was, yes. So those are my two lessons. I I think that's, that's great. And that's exactly the point of this, right? It's, we're talking about the experiences we actually have, but all of those apply no matter what role you're in or what you're trying to achieve. Being an amazing storyteller, showing up and playing the part, being on brand consistently across the board, and also owning the audience. I mean, I'm feeding it back a little different than you said, but that's what I take away from that. Yeah, and the other thing he did really, really well was he pointed out other places that we might like to go. So Mm -hmm. we, it was an outside, we didn't go into anything, but he was like, Muriel's Restaurant, for example. We actually had dinner at Muriel's Restaurant. They have a ghost table. You can eat at it for an extra 50 bucks. There is the actual like authentic voodoo place. It's like, this is where you go get your readings and stuff like that. So it helps you to get acclimated to the city in a different way from somebody who's actually lives there, done that, mm-hmm. you know, in those sorts of things versus guessing. Because there's a gazillion places you can do your voodoo readings, right? Yep. So that was my marketing smartest moment. So just to recap how to effectively lean in a hybrid work environment. First is set clear expectations on process, deliverables, consequences, and then let go. This is a key part of what we call vigilant leadership. It includes having to get over your control freak mentalities, which focus too much on the doing and not enough on the deliverable. Second is whole key team communications and meetings for days everyone is in the office. Company news, announcements, strategy sessions, reviews, all are better when everyone is present in person so everyone can participate without tech barriers and so you can monitor all those important nonverbal engagements that help you assess culture. Third is maintain consistent behavior, whether in the office or at home. It's been difficult to overcome our control freak, also knows micromanagement ways when people started to work from home, but now that those ways are working, let's bring them into the office as well. And finally, make sure people don't get too lax in their working from home environment. Maintaining professional appearance is important, no matter if in the office or in Zoom. And with that, we'll say go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.